Hello, and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. I'm your host, Scott Dresser. My guest today is Christine Tenzicki. She's a former law enforcement officer uh, in Okaloosa County, Florida, uh, and a former private security contractor, uh, Oconus, overseas. Um, she's currently uh, general manager of a nightclub as well as uh, performing miscellaneous duties, duties for the owner's varied business entities. Um, so before I go any further, Christine, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, you and I have talked previously, I think last week we talked and uh, we went on for a walk, could have gone on for a lot longer. You know, uh, I've been telling folks uh, for a little bit, I've been priming and prepping people that this show is taking a, a slight twist, uh, a slight turn. Um, and uh, I've been, you know, I've been banging my head trying, trying to find a female contractor, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you popped up on the radar as a result of me reaching out to William Beaver, I think it was, but I, th I don't remember if it was Shooter Jobs or, or, or jobs. Shooter Jobs, that's where you found it, right. <laughs> And uh, <clears throat> I was like, oh, my God, my prayers have been answered. <laughs> and, you know, we had a great conversation. You have a great attitude. Uh, and uh, it was just it was amazing to, to hear that, um, you know, because, uh, you know, attitudes on the whole thing, when people look back, vary from one extreme to the other and everything in between. Um, it's hard to find. Well, I shouldn't say hard. But um, it, you know, it's not a lot of people out there who've done this for a time and, and still have a good attitude about it and a good attitude about life. And uh, you did so uh, freaking awesome. So uh, before I go on anymore, <laughs> the folks don't want to listen to me jabber. <laughs> Christine, for everybody that's listening uh, to this show, can you provide them some background history on who you are, what you are, what you did prior to becoming a contractor, and anything you want to throw into that? Sure. Uh, well, I'm a 36-year-old female um, from Florida, uh, so I have my criminal justice degree from the University of West Florida in Pensacola. Um, from there, after doing, um, I did two years in the Peace Corps, so I did uh, about 26 months overseas in Ecuador, working with uh, youth and um, families uh, Urban Youth Development was the program name. I uh, came back to the police academy and I joined the sheriff's office with Okaloosa County. It's located in the Panhandle there in Northwest Florida. Uh, we're about 45 miles west of Panama City. So we uh, were right there on the coast. Our county runs from the Gulf of Mexico all the way up to the Alabama line. So I was with the sheriff's office for a little under four years. Um, so I did, you know, during that time, I, uh, I was assigned to the DUI task force. Um, I also translated English, Spanish, um, was also involved on, you know, I was on patrol. I was a road, road deputy, did off-duty details in the, in the, um, with nightclubs and some of the private properties, uh, some of the bigger condos there. Um, and then I left the sheriff's office in September, at the very end of September 2015, there were several individuals that I worked with uh, that were all prior military. So before, and they had left maybe about the year or two before I decided to leave the sheriff's office. They had hopped overseas into contracting. I'd never 
known that we could, our, our skills would translate to that. So they kind of you know, shared a little wisdom, their experience. And in January of 2017, I arrived in Kuwait on the KBOSS contract with Triple Canopy, where I stayed there until almost two years. I was there from January of 17 until the very end of October, 2018. So uh, that's interesting um, that you know, uh, when you and I talked last week, uh, we, uh, you know, I, I, I'd met, come across, worked with, uh, but mostly met and came across a, a number of women over the years. Uh, but actually working with them, I think there's only two times that I can recollect actually working with a woman on those, on those years. And, and this, and, and you will, I'll let you pick it up and, and carry it from there because I'm sure you experience a lot of it. Uh, but this industry, particularly outside the United States is, and I, I don't want to put it in the wrong terms, but I mean, it's typically a man's world, right? That is, that's the term I would use. Um, I mean, I know it's 2020. We might upset some people. Um, look, I, I'll be out on the front line with, all, with everybody, but I'm not a feminist. So I, I get it. It is what it is. I mean, you're there. Um, you know, the reality is um, you are on a U.S. military base overseas. Um, so even if it's a little taboo or, uh, well, and cliche, it is, it is a man's world over there. Uh, it's a very masculine environment. And typically, it was typical that maybe we'd have 119 individuals at guard mount before shift. And no more than five of us were females. At mm -hmm. times, I was the only female on shift. Um, it, it's hard to... It's hard to entice, and I don't mean that in, in, a, in a deceptive way, but it's hard to, A, get people over there, but let alone a lot of us females. Um, it it is, can be intimidating um, and, uh, and, and can be kind of scary because it is a different world for, for us women. Um, my first year while I was waiting for my clearance, I worked, well, and even after that, after my clearance, I mean, it was just, it was me. Uh, and just a bunch of guys, a bunch of bros, <laughs> <laughs> which I was used to on patrol. You know, I mean, that was just the, the career choice and fields that I've picked. Um, so as long as you kind of establish certain boundaries, the females have to follow certain boundaries as well. As well. Um, they have to, if they want um, to be respected or they have to also walk the walk as well, not just talk the talk. Um, right. You have to respect boundaries with men. Uh, if you expect them to expect certain boundaries or, or respect and, and uphold boundaries that you set. And if you do that, I mean, really, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's no thing. You know, you might get cranky if it gets, you know, those Kuwaiti summers. But really, other than that, just bow, you know, if you look at it overwhelmingly going, oh, it's just a bunch of men. Or it's like, no, we're all here. We're all mission focused. And we're all here to do a job. Right. Don't complicate it. <laughs> right. And that's an easy thing to do. And a lot of people do overthink it and do complicate it. Um, now, so do you think <clears throat> from your perspective and your experiences, did your time in the sheriff's department, did that uh, prepare you or did that help you make that transition? Did, did it, was it a benefit to you when you started contracting? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest. I left uh, the sheriff's office a little abruptly and I was a little, I guess, jaded with them. Um, and when I went overseas a little over a year after that, it really, it was a nice feeling because it, it, it was almost like I had peace with them because I, a lot of the skills that uh, I had with the sheriff's office that they trained or emphasized repeatedly, um, I really, I put to use over there. Hmm. Uh, the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office, a lot of, a lot of the individuals there, a lot of the sworn individuals are prior military and they are an extremely, you know, tactic and fit agency. Hmm. And, um, and I just really appreciated. I felt more than the average bear, you know, more, you know, in terms of weapons, um, you're being on the range and qualifying for, for things um, and just tactically being able to contribute, you know, to certain operating procedures or thoughts. Um, Cause if you offer you know, certain things or, you know, I thought about this tactically or would it be better this approach or that and, and just kind of helps you kind of stand out. So I really gained a new appreciation for the sheriff's office when I got over there because I, I, it was obvious how, how much tactically and a lot of the stuff that were paying for all of us on patrol, you know, my, my share, my, my sergeant, if we had a little downtime, if it was a quiet night in the winter, uh, he had us out in homes that were being built, working on light movement and, and entering tactically and as a group behind the corner, you know, doing all that. And so I just felt, Felt very appreciative when I got over there because those skills did translate uh, once huh. I got there. So now, <clears throat> would you say that uh, your experiences as a law enforcement officer and your experiences overseas as a contractor, would you say one was more challenging or more difficult than the other, or would you say that they were just different? They were different. I mean, you it's just really hard to compare overseas contracting with anything and it's hard to compare law enforcement with anything. Um, you know, it was definitely what I did appreciate with the KBOSS program is, um, you know, we are mission focused and we are overseeing and undertaking very, a very important task. You know, we're force protection officers and we are responsible for uh, the safety and protection and the integrity of the base, you know, whichever base that was, whether if it was Arif John or Buring. Um, so it was a challenge being away from home um, and, and just missing those comforts of, you know, Florida and living in, a, in the United States. Um, it was a, a challenge, the heat and just, it was just, it was a challenge, but, you know, as opposed to the sheriff's office, you know, the sheriff's office, you know, I, I, you know, you roll, you never know what you're going to get day to day. I mean, I, we were taking kids from home sometimes out of terrible situations, mm. getting in fist fights with people, you know, or drunk. Um, it was, it was, I would take overseas. <laughs> it was an easier challenge. I, I do, I do like travel and I find it exciting to be overseas. Um, so if I were to rate them in terms of maybe mental and spiritual exhaustion, the sheriff's office was a lot more challenged because there was just, you just see a lot more, 
it, there's just a lot more that you're exposed to that underbelly of society that you're almost protected from when you're working overseas on those bases. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the complications of civilian life, a lot of that stuff goes away when you're over there. It, it, I mean, you've got a different set of challenges and different complications, but uh, in some respects, and, and tell me, tell us if, if that's, you experienced the same thing. It was almost like a break. I mean, some of us viewed it as a break. It was almost a vacation. Oh, yeah. Because, because the, 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 the lines were clear and, and yeah. we knew and, and everybody else, for the most part, uh, respected uh you know your space and your you know your everything else right uh you know even when we were working i mean you, you did what you had to do when you were working but beyond that i mean you could isolate and close yourself off if you wanted unless you came under attack i mean that kind of stuff right. was oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, so what was it like so from your perspective with that in mind when you made that trip overseas what were you, what was going through your mind? What was the thought process? Um, you know, whenever it started, maybe just as you're starting that drive to the airport, you get off at the other side. I mean, what was it like for you? Oh, it was just, it was just so, I was just so excited. I mean, really, I mean, I just, I, I made my mind up to do contracting. Um, and you know, let's be honest. So I, I started applying at the end of 15 and 16. Um, you know, a couple of years before that, I did not qualify for any of these positions. Hmm. I don't have prior military and even my time at the sheriff's office, that was under five years. And although I was assigned to specialized units, none of those were tactical in nature. So I couldn't hmm. believe my luck, you know, when I, when I did get selected for the KBOSS program and that they would sponsor my clearance and I could go and work over there while I wait for my clearance. I mean, I just couldn't believe my dumb luck. <laughs> so, and I was, you know, I, I, you know, leaving the sheriff's office, there's just kind of this period of, of feeling a little lost. You know, I mean, my whole life, all I focused on was being in law enforcement. And then unfortunately, I just, or fortunately, I guess, I uh, just decided after several years to, to leave that field. And so not really knowing what to do and not knowing if I could get on an overseas mm. contract. So when KBOSS, you know, offered me a position and then sent me the ticket, I mean, I was, I was, I was like a puppy. I was so excited. <laughs> you know, my, and, you know, to be honest, even my family, you know, I'm, I'm close with my parents and, and they were actually kind of relieved because, um, you know, looking overseas, um, you know, they were happy that it was in Afghanistan or an active mm -hmm. zone. Uh, me spending time in the Peace Corps in a pretty dangerous area in Ecuador in an urban environment. And then transition, you know, and then being with the sheriff's office, they saw me coming home with some injuries and heard, you know, some of the tussles I got into. So they were relieved. They're like, wait, it's it's so far away, but it's, it's seemingly, <laughs> you know, this is going to be, um, you know, you're going to be safer. So, I, I mean, I was just, I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get over there. Huh. So that's interesting that you mentioned safer, not safe, <laughs> yeah. uh, right? Uh, when you were, uh, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, uh, right. uh, but did you feel, was there ever a time when you were over there that you didn't feel safe or you felt in jeopardy or you, you thought, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, um, I did have little moments, 
you know, really it was um, off duty. Um, I mean, you know, you're always, especially people with prior uh, law enforcement, prior military, who've worked the private security sector. I mean, you, we always have kind of a heightened sense of of our our surroundings and and knowing how things can just go south so quick. I mean, even in the most seemingly harmless or benign situations, you know, so. You know, my alertness was obviously a lot more elevated once I got there because I am in a different country. I'm in a Muslim country. Um, and not that I had concerns of that. I just wanted to make sure I, I didn't do anything overt to disrespect, you know, maybe cultural norms or the laws. Because um, I'm coming from Panama City Beach area. I mean, we do what we want. We're wild, you know. <laughs> so um, really, you know, the only times that I, I was concerned. Um, if I ventured out by myself, there's, there's a couple handsy cab drivers um, that were also uh, immigrants uh, in Kuwait. And that was just, I, I got out of the vehicle and just, you know, walked on, got another cab. Hmm. Uh, I was never injured or there was nothing sexual of nature, just inappropriateness that, that prompted me to get out of that situation. <laughs> Um, and I also, I would rent vehicles while I was over there and I would drive on my days off. And so there are times that um, I would be followed home. You know, there's a persistence with certain cultures that they find romantic and it's, it's chivalrous. If I pursue you, my, my queen, and as Western women, we, we find, luckily, um, you know, if we kind of put up a boundary or no, thank you, I'm going to continue my day. You generally expect the norm for, for uh, someone to respect that. So I mean, there's a, there was one time I did have to call uh, uh, the security for my complex, had them meet me in the parking lot because hmm. someone was following me home um, and they were following me home, you know, blowing me kisses and thinking they were being romantic. So I, I mean, I never... I mean, and then I, I, I fell in, I, I kind of, the rules I've learned when traveling overseas as a woman, um, uh, if women aren't there, if local women aren't there, don't go. Mm. So if I went, if there was a restaurant I wanted to go into and said, oh, that looks really nice. And if it was packed with men, I'm sure it was safe. It just, for me, I've learned in my travels, if there's not local women there, I just move on. Or if I'm out at the mall and I see a lot of the women leaving, then I just kind of follow the norms, just stay off the radar. Um, I, I didn't dress. I dressed pretty conservatively and just really tried to just stay off the radar. So well, that's, that's some great points. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I've talked to people or tried to um, give them some advice when they travel, you know, and um, that's something I never thought about. But I mean, I talk about blending in, you know, but, uh, you know, that's some great advice because I, it's not an uncommon thing to hear people, you know, men do all the, the manly bluster stuff, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, dude, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just remember what the, what the 911 number is over there. <laughs> Have it on I hand. When it all of it. I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to lie. I don't hate all of it. You know, I mean, <laughs> some attention or maybe someone's cute. I'm single, you know, they're <laughs> right. <laughs> square. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but I mean, but that isn't, that is an interesting point and, and I won't go into it, but the, I did have an incident um, over there were a car well a car two women were in it and they 
were frightened and, and, and I mean, they were frightened and they were American women. They were expats. They were coming onto a base and they, it was some guy in a car behind them that had followed them from their residence all the way. And yeah. of course, you know, I, I did what I did and it was no longer an issue, but I'm just saying that those things can, can happen even if you're a tourist but especially if you're not a tourist, you're in a foreign country, those things happen. And I'm, right. so I just thought it was interesting that you brought it up, man. You had that firsthand experience. And of course, you got your law enforcement background. It helps you out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. You touched on that. It's, uh, you know, for people that are listening, I always say when you're traveling and touring, if you're following the, if you're with the guide and you stay on the, on the beaten path, you're probably going to be okay. Right. Just don't go out of your way to draw attention to yourself. But if, especially if you go off the beaten path, you <laughs> just be ready for anything. You're just opening yourself up. Like I said, if you just kind of follow, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you just follow, you know, with the cab drivers, for example, I just learned, um, you know, I would ask security uh, that worked at the, um, at our complex, if they recommended certain companies or drivers, or if I did have a, a taxi driver that I found that I was comfortable with, I'd say, Hey, can I have your WhatsApp number? And can I call you if I need to, you know, my days off are Mondays and I go to the grocery store, um, little things like, okay, I don't sit in the front seat. I just sit in the back. Right. Um, make sure my phone's charged, make sure I don't have anything really, very loud or identifying nothing um even like bands or certain musics or anything that identified me uh in a group um there were sometimes too um during ramadan uh, i would cover my hair because uh, i did venture out by myself uh and like i said it was pretty unremarkable and uneventful every time hmm. um i would you know keep conversation short and just like i said if and follow where the women were you right. know restaurant was full of men again i'm not i'm not paranoid or hysterical um i don't look at a group of men and and fear them it's just okay there's a reason why maybe all the women are over at this restaurant instead right, you know? <laughs> right. And, well, uh, some of us just call it common sense you know yes <laughs> i mean really it is if you you know with kuwait for example you know, or a lot of these contracts, because I, I did do one stateside, you know, the short term ones. Uh, I worked with Maddie Core, which is a fantastic company. It's rapid response, um, rapid response, private security. They do domestic and you respond to, um, we're called labor relations auditors, but we provide security uh, for um, impending or, you know, when, when it's obvious that a union's going to strike. Hmm. And I've noticed domestic and international, the companies will give you policies, rules, or guidelines for a reason. Right. So, you know, for me, I, I, I imbibe. I like a little glass of wine. Um, I like a couple glasses of wine. I like beer. <laughs> you know, but there was, you know, that country was a dry country. And, or, you know, there are just certain guidelines that, even though you kind of roll your eyes or you miss that, that, you know, glass of wine at the end of the day, or you miss going to parties or dancing or whatever it might be, you know, those guidelines, rules, or mandates are there to protect us and just fall in line, get right. your money, then get out. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you find yourself in violation, you know, behavior wise or in trouble with the host country. Most of the time, 
maybe 99.9% of the time, it's self-inflicted. And you did a series of conscious decisions contrary to what you were told or what you agreed with that put you in a position now that you have to be evacuated out of the country immediately. (laughs) (laughs) All the rules, you know. Right. Well, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we say that there's a time and place for everything. And, and, and some of us like me, for example, I'm not, um, I'm not a rule breaker necessarily. I mean, I like to comply with, with proper rules that make sense. Um, And a lot of that stuff does make sense. So, uh, but before I forget now, so we've mentioned the term, you have uh, KBOSS a number of times. We know what KBOSS is. Um, So for the, People that are listening, can you tell them what KBOSS is? And also, we forgot something important, the company you worked for over there. Okay. Well, um, so KBOSS is, and I'm, I had to look it up. I forgot for a moment. <laughs> Base Operations and Security Support Services. Right. So that spells out K-B-O-S-S-S. Right. Uh, now, so that's uh, it's a long-standing program uh, or um, contract that's uh, that's out in Kuwait. Um, it's contracted to Vectris. Hmm. Uh, they've subcontracted it at least, um, and I'm pretty sure it still stands at least between 2017 and the end of 2018 when I was there. It was Triple Canopy. Okay. And- Canopy, you know, anyone in the, the business knows used to be Blackwater, now has been absorbed um, as Triple Canopy, and just a fantastic uh, contract uh, group that's international. Um, so I went over there, the KBOSS program, you go over, and if you're, if you're going over security, you are an FPO, which is Force Protection Officer. And so... Um, we're security, we provide security for the base. We keep the base, um, the integrity of the base. Um, we maintain that. So ECPs, it's all, I learned so quick, how many acronyms <laughs> that you use overseas, especially well, on military. Military loves their acronyms, don't they? Oh yeah, I mean, I had no idea what a DFAC was for weeks. <laughs> and I, I just kind of nodded my head. And finally they said, well, D for dining, FAC for facilities, I'm like, Right. Okay. Feedback. All right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're asking yourself, is that a dangerous disease or is it a form of the IFAC? Right. SOPs and PARs and all those, you know, okay. IFUs, SOPs. Um, but um, so force protection officers, uh, they maintain um, security uh, entry and exit uh, ECPs, entry control points on base. Um, so any foreign nationals, any contractors, any active military that are that are coming through on and off, we make sure that since Kuwait was a closed base uh, overseas, uh, military didn't have just free reign of of getting in a car and leaving and hitting the city. You had to have um, you had to have certain permissions. And so we had to make sure you had the right permissions, right paperwork. It was dated. Did it have everyone's name? Does everyone have their CAC? You know, all that. Um, and also coming on and off base. A lot of times, too, if we saw people coming on, we'd go, well, you're, you're out of policy. You can't. How did you get off base? You know, <laughs> not that that, I'm not saying that ever happened on K-Boss, but, uh, you know, we didn't. Mandatory searches of all uh, foreign national uh, individuals that were coming on base. We would search their vehicles. Um, we would do random um, 
rams um, with uh, American and coalition forces, anyone coming on with their vehicles. Perimeters, working the towers, roving, working C-Flick. I mean, we, we provided, hmm. um, and there were other security operations and other contractors over there, uh, but we were, we were the ones, we were the biggest one over there. Um, K-Boss, when I was there, uh, Triple Canopy oversaw um, operations uh, for force protection on, um, at Arif John uh, and then Buring. So hmm. they, they both are at the opposite ends of the country. You could traverse it in an hour and a half, but you know, Buring was uh, just south of Iraq and then Afghanistan, uh, I'm sorry, Arif John was just north of Saudi, so. Right, now you work both? Uh, at times, okay. so being a female, there were um, there were posts that required female security officers. Right. You know, if we had foreign national individuals, uh, females that were subject to random searches, um, at no time ever would you have, or would it ever be appropriate, or was it considered um, that a man would search a female? Right. So there, there were certain posts. So there were times uh, that, you know, we were kind of short on female FPOs. <laughs> so it would, you know, I, I came in a couple of times and they'd say, hey, you got to go up to Buring. Uh, we need a female for night shift uh, to work the, you know, the, the female post. Huh. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that uh, because we did have those issues as well. And I recollect a couple of times uh, and I'll just leave it at a couple times, um, where we actually had to look for a military female volunteer to do what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Did you guys ever have that issue? Not that I'm aware of. Um, not that I, uh, I'm aware of. I mean, because you, you, can't, you can't not search, uh, you know, the, the individual or, you know, do what you need to do to allow them onto base. But also, like I said, it's at no point ever appropriate uh, right. or would ever be considered, you know, to have a, a male search a female. Right. Um, so um, luckily, in my time there, I, I didn't hear of that. Um, you know, we, we were able to man those posts that did require females. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, the, you know, one of the posts was called Lima, and that was the the big one where, you know, the women would come through and they were subject to even the airport um, body scans. Mm -hmm. And even those, you know, even though there was no physical touch, um, you know, of course, being, being able to view those images, only a female could view images of the females. Okay. And likewise, the men too, it, it was inappropriate for me to look at the images of men huh. that were subject to the random, uh, random scannings. So um, luckily it was, it was not something that we ever experienced, even though that we had to do some clever shuffling around or some panicked, maybe, you know, quick, you know, expedited movement. So, but, oh, I wasn't supposed to see that. Yeah. I'm like, we gotta get to hearing now. It's like, oh. all right, I'm coming. Well, there were times maybe that, there were times um, that maybe I wouldn't be able to go on like a food run or go to the DFAC. Because maybe I was the only female, 
in that mm -hmm. area where females would come. So, I mean, worst case scenario, I was mildly inconvenienced because someone had to go get my, my food. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know and, speaking of, so the, the base bases that you were on, uh, did you have an opportunity to uh, spend time off duty and, and, and drive or walk around them and check them out? Um, not really. That was just nothing I wanted to, you know, I, you know, these contracts, anyone that's been over there, you know, um, you know, 72 hour week is the minimum mandatory for any of these contracts, really. Um, so six days a week, uh, you know, you leave the house at four in the morning or four in the afternoon, and then you get home at seven in the morning or so, I mean, you have 15 hour days. So the last thing I wanted to do on any of my free time was to explore the base or, you know, just, no, no. I mean, maybe if I had to come and mail something off on my day off or I didn't even do that. I would have to wait. I would, you would not catch me there uh, on my, on my free time. No. And they didn't encourage that either. They were, you know, they would allow, a lot of people would stay um, to use the gym after work um but it was something to you know we our housing and our duties are done you know our housing's off base and then the the way the way triple canopy and the base perceived it was really you have no business being here go home <laughs> you know leave the base once your job is done um and really for the most part they were right you know, I mean, unless you are going to the gym after work or maybe grabbing a breakfast, there's nothing really more than an hour before or after um, shift that you need to be doing on base. If, if you're not working, get back into the city. Just, just you know, don't, don't linger right. on base. You know? Right. Well, yeah, aside from the possibly potential security risk that might uh, bring up, but more than that, I think what it really boiled down to was uh, you know, hey, you, you just spent a long day, go home, get your get your head out of it, decompress a little bit, um, because you got to turn around and do it again tomorrow. Right. And that was, I mean, it's, I read an article and I can't, I, I have no idea who wrote it, but they talked about, they likened contracting to being institutionalized. Hmm. You, know, you get these extremely rigid schedules where you know six days a week, you got to catch that bus at four in the morning. You will be home by 7 p.m. and you do that six days a week and you just get into that schedule. You have one day off to maybe go and get your uniforms cleaned and starched, get some groceries, do meal prep, uh, go to a movie, sleep in, whatever it might be, and then just, uh, you know, rewind, repeat. Right. <laughs> and, and it's The contractor's version of that movie. <laughs> yeah. And it is Groundhog Day. You hear that. You know, anyone that's listening that that's been over there, they'll nod their head and go, I don't know how many times I heard Groundhog Day um, <laughs> or another day in paradise. But right. uh, <laughs> just, but it's true. And if you just kind of accept it, um, you know, a lot of the guys would fall into the, and maybe gals, you know, I mean, I use guys uh, generally, you know, the, the schedule is what it is. We all knew that coming in, you know, there were no secrets. Um, so you knew that coming in. So I mean, there were times maybe I stayed up a little late um, or woke up a little earlier, but you also got to take care of yourself. Keep to that schedule. Don't stay up. Don't, don't cheat yourself out of that sleep. Eat as, as best as you can. Stay hydrated because then you're just going to burn out. 
And right. unfortunately, I mean, we've all seen it. You know, you get those guys that's like, are you doing all right? Yeah. You okay? And then two weeks later, it's like, hey, where, where'd Houston go? It's like, oh, man, he went home. He had a little kind of freaked out and, <laughs> you know, went well, home. Yeah, well, you know, but a lot of people uh, don't handle it very well. Uh, no. I mean, those who've been in the military and perhaps those who um, – uh, were former law enforcement, uh, especially, you know, on either side, if they've been doing it for a while, exposed to those systems, um, they tend to, they tend to fit in and do pretty well. Um, the, the biggest adjustment is the climate, the weather, and then the culture. Uh, and, and maybe to some extent, maybe some extent, the tempo. Yeah. Yeah, the yep, the tempo because it would it kind of make me chuckle a little. I mean, coming from the sheriff's office, we have a pretty unique and exciting area there on the Panhandle, and so I mean, we would maybe things are a little more uneventful in the winter time, but I mean, we were we were rocking and rolling every summer, um, and it was pretty exciting. Uh, you get your adrenaline up. I mean, you'd have anything from maybe traffic crash with injuries to melees um, at, uh, at at these bars to, I mean, just boating accidents, shark bites, whatever it might be. I mean, day to day, it is very exciting. And then you go over to some of these, what we call static positions where it, you're you're posted up here. You know, you get there at six in the morning, you'll get relieved, hopefully, hopefully by 6 p.m. <laughs> and you search vehicles. I mean, you, you do have to be mindful and still tactical, but it is it can be pretty mind numbing. Right. <laughs> and and it would it would make me chuckle sometimes because these guys would sit there and say, man, I thought we'd see a lot of action or I thought it's like if you just Wikipedia Kuwait, yeah. <laughs> you would know that there, you know, it was it was a semi, you know, uneventful place, um, right. at least recently. <laughs> right. right. So yeah. it was, it was, you know, kind of hit our egos sometimes because a lot of us, you know, we, we felt pretty accomplished. We're first responders. We have life-saving awards or, you know, year to year, you know, we're doing CPR or grabbing babies from burning houses, you know, we're doing the, the thing. And then you're just kind of sitting there <laughs> in the heat, just kind of, you know, searching vehicles, checking IDs, you know, checking LOAs or making sure people have their, it, it, um, but again, it was, you know, they provide all this information before you go over and right. they explain exactly what you're going to be doing. And so if you were, if you were thinking you're going to be putting rounds down range and, and just engaging with, with enemies, it's like, well, you, you really didn't pay attention to the information they gave you, did they? Did you? Right. Well, but I mean, you hit on an interesting uh, point there that, um, you know, there are a lot of quote unquote air quotes here, uh, stable regions. And right. uh, Kuwait is, it is one of those countries that's in a more or less stable region in that, small confined area from uh, the Kuwait-Iraq border southward uh, down to probably Saudi Arabia, arguably Egypt. Um, you know, those areas tend to be relatively stable in terms of comparatively to the right. outlying regions and countries out there. Uh, and for the most part, uh, certainly a majority of contractors 
um, are not doing anything terribly exciting. Now, it can be exciting when you get over there because it's, it's a new exposure, new adventure for you. New, you know, it, it looks the same, but it's different. Um, right. <laughs> but, you know, you know so, so I was going to ask you, so there on the base, I mean, summertime, wintertime, you know, you can't really say fall, spring. It just gets warmer and cooler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right was there a was there a busy or busier time of the year for you over there um i don't know maybe there was periods if they had movements on base you know this group is is heading out you know really no um we'd go it would be we'd go in waves in terms of manning you okay. know i mean that was you know there were there were times that were a little more stable than not i mean that uh that contract has an extremely high turnover rate. Hmm. And, um, and there were periods, you know, the holidays, you'd see a lot of people. And then once the heat hit, a lot of people, I mean, everybody was one just argument with their wife or husband away from quitting. <laughs> you know, everybody was one bad day away from just like, out. Um, you know, they, you know, maybe, Two months earlier, they were, you know, gung-ho and the cheerleaders of the contract. But then, you know, it's like, oh, they didn't put lettuce on my burger and it's hot, I'm out. I can't handle it. What are you looking at? You know, I mean, but really, no, it was, it was pretty, um, maybe we'd have, we'd up the ram, which would be, you know, the, um, you know, there would be times maybe we found, um, maybe there was a week where we found more alcohol um, trying to come on to base. Hmm. So we would then up the random quote unquote, like random searches where it's like every contractor, every, you know, what used to be maybe one out of 18 vehicles would get searched or subject to search. Now we're going to search every vehicle uh, because we're, we're noticing um, an uptick in contraband trying to enter base. Hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe that we had, we had tougher weeks, maybe in terms of just, uh, if we discovered something, but really, you know, it, it was, there was no, oh, well, Christmas was a lot busier or no, huh. it was just kind of really dependent on, on what we uncovered while doing, you know, the, our, our duties. Okay. You know, and a thought that occurred to me and, uh, you can confirm it or deny it. It's, um that a lot of these decisions, a lot of these things that the company does, that, that the people on the ground such as yourself did, are dictated in large part, if not wholly, by the client entity. Is that correct? And the client was, was, was Big Green. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, you know, we have our policies. Uh, we, have, uh, we have the rules and everything that you have to go, go by. But if they notice, you know, for example, foreign nationals, what they would call foreign, uh, what, what uh, U.S. Army would consider a foreign national. So, you know, someone from maybe not a coalition area, um, someone from India, uh, Nepal, um, they, would, they were not allowed, certain individuals and certain uh, duties on base were not allowed to have uh, Wi-Fi capable or Bluetooth capable cell phones. Hmm. Um, so they, you know, they'd have their little Nokia phones. Phones were allowed, but they just, we just had to make sure they didn't have anything that was Bluetooth or Wi-Fi capable or compatible. Huh. You know, so, so we would, it would be kind of business as usual. And then maybe 
you know, then you hear news that, um, you know, maybe someone on base uh, found an individual who did have it, you know, had, you know, maybe contraband came on a base, maybe even in the form of, uh, we found an individual who absolutely cannot have this on base. And it's now we found them, they have base, uh, you know, they're on base with this, you know, there was a failure maybe. And so it's like, all right, we're going to have a tough couple weeks. Okay. You know, everyone kind of lock and load. Um, we're we're going to have to really step up. We're going to have a lot more eyes on us. This doesn't look good for us. And I'm not saying this, this happened a lot or often, but it does happen. And um, so there were, there were times that, you know, unfortunately, you know, it, or, or someone would try to come on base with liquor. And even though, hey, we did our job, yay, congratulations. Uh, we brought in the military police, they handled it. That individual's in trouble now. Like, well, we didn't do ourselves any favors. You know, the, the high fives, everyone got a high five, but now we're gonna up the random searches to now everybody's getting searched. So, right. you know, what, what a, a commute would maybe take you eight minutes is now taking you 45 or longer. Right. Um, on the base. So, and, and, and when that happens, uh, at my recollection is coming and going on these bases when there was a ram uh, the guys on the ground the gals on the ground such as yourselves usually got the brunt of it right it was wow. always your fault why are you doing this can't you you know I mean just go through it if there was a pick your verbiage pick your your, your look on the face it was there right Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, a lot of times it was even self-inflicted. Maybe it wasn't an individual trying to get on base, but you know, some, um, you know, big poobah was coming through and I'm not saying this happened ever, <laughs> you know, but it maybe it has happened, you know, where it's like, Oh, the guy who was supposed to be, um, doing that secondary check of cats or secondary checks of driving privileges. Maybe they were inattentive. Maybe mm. they were appeared to be, nodding off or sleeping or maybe they appeared to be or maybe they had even used the restroom maybe something as you know you feel sorry for the guy because maybe he had an emergency and had to run off to the porta potty um but he left that post maybe unmanned for you know a period of time and any period of time would have been unacceptable so even if it was the most innocent and oh tough luck oh he had the meatloaf and of course he had to run the bathroom or he was sleeping and he sat there and then and, and the guy honked his horn. So a lot of that was like, ah, <laughs> oh, we're all going to just, everybody is just going to have to pay for, for this yokel or this clowns, you know, and their battle buddy who didn't catch them and say, right. yo, you know, wake up or check right. off. So a lot of it was, you know, as a result, a lot of the, the extra work came as, you know, no good deed comes un, you know, unpunished where, right. hey, you found contraband before it came on a base. Now we're going to up the ram right. um, or self-inflicted to where it's like, oh, did you hear Tenziki was sleeping on her post? That's why all of us have to, you know, do, do X, Y, and Z now for the next two weeks. Like, thanks, Tenziki, you know. Right. So, so now you're everybody's best friend until the next person gets caught. And now then you're off the hook. And that was, yeah. And so you were, usually it would only be anywhere from a couple hours to maybe no more than a week. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I can't believe she or he did that. And then a couple hours later you go, now that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh man. 
You know, hey, so you mentioned uh, about uh, living accommodations. So uh, can you attest to, so your experience when you were there, where was the, were you folks downtown? Where, where were you folks housed? You know, what you can talk about. Uh, well, we were um, in a neighborhood in Kuwait. Um, it was the Mabula areas where, where I stayed, but there's different neighborhoods um, that had company housing. Um, and when you come on, uh, when you come on to the uh, contract, um, Triple Canopy does provide your housing. Um, you can have anywhere from maybe, you know, you live alone or up to maybe two, three other rooms. Um, I was very happy with the living arrangements. Um, now, out of maybe four, let's say, I'm just throwing a number out, maybe four complexes or possibilities that you could be assigned to in terms of living quarters, um, it was... It was agreed that the complex that I was at was the best. <laughs> so I'm very happy for that. I did notice, and, and I appreciated it. Um, I did notice us, uh, the women that did come on contract, seemed to be placed in some of the nicer uh, accommodations. So I appreciated okay. that. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, they were all pretty adequate. Um, if you were uh, unhappy or if for whatever reason you did want to live outside of uh, company-provided housing, that was also an option, at least <laughs> up until, again, things might have changed. I speak from experience that ended at the end of 2018. So this, this could have changed since then. Um, but they would provide you a living stipend if you did choose to go outside of a company provided housing. Um, okay. You did have to have that approved though. You could not just stay anywhere. It had to be within, you know, certain parameters. Um, and, and usually I found for the most part um, in terms of whether you go on a stipend or whether you go with company housing, usually company housing was, was the better bet. You right. kind of got more for the, more for the, the uh, more for your bang or more for the buck, I guess. Right. Right. Um, and everything was uh, everything was provided. I mean, that's the, that's the you know one of the nice things about going over there. For the most part, everything is provided for you. Hmm. You know, your transport to and from work. Uh, you have a site uh, or a per diem. Uh, whether people agree that it's adequate or not, you do get a per diem to get food. You are able to buy food uh, at a discounted rate um, at the DFAC or the dining facility on base. Um, you also have your, you know, there's no utilities. Now you are required to have a cell phone um, or a phone number in case they have to just call up everybody, but I mean, you can get that for $15. I mean, you can do that for a couple bucks a month. Right. Um, and really other than that, I mean, if you want to live on, you know, I, I don't know if you had no other out, you know, outstanding bills. I mean, I knew guys that lived off of their per diem and just either sent the rest home use the, you know, or use the, um, our, our salary or our pay for bills or debt or whatever financial goals they had. So they were disciplined. Interestingly, you mentioned in our conversation last week about uh, what you were able to accomplish with the money that you earned. Oh yeah. Well, the incentive was uh, for me, one of the biggest incentives is money. So as um, I mean, everyone can, a lot of people agree that a lot of law enforcement is underpaid um, and not to disparage the agency I was with, 
it was very competitive, the pay they gave us. And they paid extra for a lot of the salary incentive training. So again, not to disparage um, the sheriff's office that I was with, um, but compared to what I was offered in Kuwait, it more than doubled my, my take home, huh. uh, more than doubled. Um, boom, like that. Um, and that was tax-free with no living expenses. Um, you're now you are, you're almost, it's almost mandatory that you, um, you know, get medical, medical care unless you have TRICARE, but yeah. So I went over there with financial goals. The first goal was to pay off, uh, my student loan debt. Um, I still had debt for my four year degree and part of the, uh, I have two semesters of my master's that I had to pay for. So, um, so the first year, I mean, it, it flew by and it was easy peasy. I mean, I just kept looking at the number and just watching it go down and I paid the equivalent of a, of a new economic, uh, car, easy peasy within a year done all my debt gone. Um, and even with that, I was able to put money in the bank. I, I traveled to England, Dubai, uh, United States. I mean, if you, if you have your financial goals and, and you have the discipline, you can accomplish so much over there. Right. Yeah. If you don't, you'll just get yourself into a bigger hole than you, than you started off with, unfortunately. <laughs> That's um, what my dad used to say. Uh, you know, Scott, uh, the difference between a rich person and a working person is not that much. He says, if they've got the same mindset that you just hearkened on, Christine, they said, the difference is they're just going to have bigger bills, bigger debts. That's the only difference. Yeah. So, and he was, you know, trying to teach me that life lesson about managing and budgeting your money and living within your means. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but that's, that's great to hear because, you know, that comes up periodically with people about, about the money, you know, and, and if you're disciplined, I mean, you know, we splurge occasionally, but in some people splurge a lot more than they should. <laughs> and I spent money on stupid things, you know, I mean, I hit the little markets and I got the, I'm like, it's like, I might as well have just bought a, a, a nice purse. Why did I have to spend the equivalent of what I could have bought a nice purse for a, a, a faux designer purse or, I mean, I, 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 I I did dumb things with money or getting like, I don't need another Nike tank top from, you know, the PX, but there we go. I've got another Nike tank top or another uh, Under Armour um, sweatshirt. You know, no reason. There goes $40. So right. I'm not trying to say I'm like, um, you know, Dave Ramsey with my money management, but, uh, but it, it really, it gave, I mean, if you go there with that financial goal, um, it, it just helps everything, you know, I mean, I was able, I mean, I had tough days over there, even though I was happy to be there every day. There were days where maybe, oh, I just wish I was home or right. I just want to talk to my mom or I, I, I miss the beach or whatever it might be, or this, this guy won't shut up or whatever it might be. <laughs> and I, and there was, there were several times that, that I would just sit there and, and even have to repeat either out loud or in my head, or even look at my little, you know, notebook about what I'm trying to accomplish here. You know, what I'm feeling right. is temporary. Um, but what I'm, what I'm doing here, my time is not wasted here. Right. And, and I've been, I mean, one year over there and that was, so by 2018, I was debt free. Wow. And I've maintained, you know, being debt free. 
I like the feeling. It's nice, you know. So, it, so no matter what it's I liberating. Do, huh? It's liberating. It is. And it and it's just it so the you know, even the financial rewards they continue. Because no matter what I do from here on out, um, that's money that I'm not spending every month to, to right. pay off. Or I have I have a, a feeling that maybe not a lot of people get to experience and I like it and I want to keep it. And I know, you know, I remember the good days over there, but I also remember the really tough days. If I, if I get tempted into doing something stupid, cause like, you know, you, you spend a year away um, from your nieces, your, your parents, your, your life, you know, to, to what, just get back into debt. You right. know, so, so it, if you, you can just, keep the momentum going and that's something that kuwait continues to give me you know in terms of mindset and my monthly finances mm. wow now, that's that's really well stated uh, and i think the, another way i've heard it in and, and I'm, you've probably heard the same thing and maybe did something similar is uh whatever the reasons the goals or the motivation or the incentive was for you to go over there and do that get drop a list of those reasons why are you going over there yeah. and yeah. keep that front and center on your refrigerator your bedroom wall fold get a copy of it fold it up put it in your back pocket in your wallet or your purse and keep it with you to remind you oh yeah because a lot of it is it's all mental over there i mean that that's what it is and and with uh at least specific to um k-boss um, you know, I mean, they're, you know, what we do is very important. I don't want to make it seem like we're just twiddling our thumbs all day. That, that's not what I want to make it, but it is more of a, a, a static, um, job. So, um, you know, and, and you're, and you're working, even if you work on teams, you know, maybe you're searching cars and even your mind can wander and you've got a lot of time <laughs> every day. And especially to, you know, your family isn't there. So it, it's just a battle against your mind every day. And, and sometimes some days are, are better than not, or, you know, some of the guys would get a call and say, you know, my wife's at the, at the end of her rope with the kids, I, I need to be there. You know, I mean, it was just all a mental thing. Right. And, and if you just remember, I mean, the, I think anybody can say who had any kind of success in terms of meeting their contract requirements, you know, meeting that year or two years or financial goals. It was just having that mindset, just going in there saying, look, let's just bear down. You're here for a reason. Look, you, you want to be out of debt. You want to pay off your house. You want your kids to go to school, college free, whatever it might be. You know, right. um, or in a lot of it too, a lot of the guys would be over there and wanted to get a clearance. Maybe it wasn't even financial. Hmm. You know, guys would sit there and say, you know, well, I, I can make more money stateside, um, but I want to get a clearance because then that's huh. going to, you know, open me up for a better paying jobs. So you just have to stay one, anything in life, <laughs> you know, but especially in such extreme conditions over there. Um, you just have to stay goal focused and just, right. if you have to repeat it, Hey guys, give me a minute. I'm having kind of a tough day. Repeat it, repeat right. it to yourself. <laughs> well, well, and, and, that, and that is an important note uh, just to remain focused. I mean, that term gets brought up and tossed around a lot, but it is a very important part and aspect of uh, yeah. the overall discipline and just whatever. I mean, you got to stay focused because it, it is easy sometimes for your mind to wander, you know, so for the women that are considering, uh, maybe the, the, that are listening, 
and, and maybe, you know, have considered or maybe they're now considering doing, you know, going over and maybe taking a contract like that. Uh, you, from your perspective, um, I'm assuming the company, because I've known a number of guys that work for Triple Canopy and, and the other companies that have had that contract, um, and they typically do a pretty good job of looking out for for the women, right? I mean, absolutely. absolutely. Um, I I actually um, I had an issue with a female sergeant. Um, the female sergeant did not. I respected her sexuality. She uh, identified as a homosexual female who was attracted to women. Um, I am not, um, and she did not respect that. Hmm. It, it did unfortunately get to a point where it, it, created, um, it, it created a very uncomfortable um, situation, not only for myself, but others hmm. uh, that were either you know, at her level or subordinates. Mm. Uh, I address it with their big thing that I used to tell everybody because, you know, it's pretty, it's kind of the, uh, you know, it, uh, it's kind of like that last, I don't know how to explain it. You know, uh, it's a lot of taboo or, or a lot of maybe, you know, language and jokes that may not be acceptable in a lot of profession, other professional studies. I'm trying to be very nice in how I say it. So, so, you know, I would always tell people, cause a lot of the men would say, Hey, if I'm, if I'm offending you, or if I say something that offends you, please don't get me fired or please, you know, let me know. And I would always say, if I have an issue with somebody, I will let you know, right. If you don't respect my boundaries. Then, then that's on you. And if, right. I have, if you don't stop, I'm going to take it up. So unfortunately, when I did address this with this female, um, things just kind of continued to get worse. Huh. Um, I never felt unsafe. I never felt, you know, but once it was brought to the attention of uh, superiors um, or what they call like the sex, sex one, two, and three, uh, you know, kind of the, um, um, what it, what's the term of it? The command staff. Hmm. Once it was brought to their attention, they took it extremely seriously um, and acted appropriately, accordingly, and I was very happy with their resolution. Okay. Um, and so I will say, unfortunately, you know, it could come from the most unexpected places. Right. Um, and, and I found that um, I do... You know, I, I do let a lot kind of run off my back, you know, at whatever, teach his own. Or if I don't like a conversation, then I'd walk away. Then, then okay, then I don't have to listen. Um, but I did find that if someone continued to cross a boundary or made me inappropriate or, or made me uncomfortable and they continue to do that after I addressed it with them personally, um, that, that Triple Canopy took those very seriously and that right. they would act accordingly. And, and I, I, I was really, really happy with it. So, I mean, if any women uh, are, are concerned about it, even do the research, talk to the recruiters. You know, there, there should be no surprises when you get overseas. You know, these companies will provide you with all the information you need. Um, you know, for example, Triple Canopy, they would offer, you could have um, direct line to the HR, <clears throat> HR individual. And everything that you said was, uh, essentially confidential. Um, and, and sometimes even if it's just, Hey, I'm just maybe eventing or this is a concern. I mean, I, they, they do take it very seriously over there. They have to now, right? Um, you know, with, uh, with, 
you know, it's 2020 and, and, you know, the, the, the populations and the people that are growing there are just a lot more blended now. Right. So they, they, I have found that at least with triple canopy, my experience with them was they, they are up to date and, uh, you know, I was very happy with how they handled that situation. Good to hear. You know, uh, and something that came to mind while you were talking about that is that uh, typically there tends to be a pretty good support from the military uh, for the contractors. That's not to say that all the military people personally like contractors and vice versa, but particularly the man or woman that's over there as a contractor who squared away because they see you every day, uh, you know, and, 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 just like anybody else in any other relationship, some will like you, some won't, but they will support you if, if you have a legitimate concern, if if the people you're working for and working with aren't taking it seriously and it's a legitimate concern, the military will. And you just uh, spoke of a perfect example. Um, yep. You know, you, you went through the steps and, and yeah. So, so for people that are listening, yeah. Uh, so from your perspective, so from your perspective, you had, I think I asked you this once before you had a good experience. I mean, on whole, on balance, you had a good experience and, and you're glad you did it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I miss it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I had signed on to go to Afghanistan with AECOM uh, this past spring, unfortunately, because of the pandemic that was delayed. Mm-hmm. And while it was delayed, I did accept um, a comparable, you know, job, uh, at least with, in terms of benefits <laughs> here in Virginia. Um, so, I mean, I, I love it. You know, um, it's different. It's a decision everybody has to make individually. You know, I don't have children. Um, I've got my parents. I don't have family. Um, I can just leave. Um, I like travel, you know, so I, I enjoyed, you know, one of the benefits of going over there too, if you like traveling is, um, almost a mandatory 30 day vacation, uh, every year. So a lot of, a lot of companies will force you to take it. Others will pay you out if you don't. Um, so I would, I mean, I would take, you can literally take a, a week every quarter and, you know, being in these different regions, I, I went to Cairo. That was, in, that was less than an hour and a half flight. I spent two days there, saw the pyramids, cool, got a t-shirt, came back, you know, went to Thailand. That's less than a six hour flight. Like it's, it's, I just, I love it. I love the lifestyle. I miss it. You know, you do miss it when, when you get home. Um, and I, and I do like the extreme routine. Hey, you know what to expect every day. And then I'm going to go to Thailand for a week, you know, and have <laughs> auto service on the beach and, and ride motorcycles or I just, I like that. Even though it's such an extreme and rigid environment you're working in to me, it gives you so much freedom um, in terms of, you know, financially and, and in your, in your free time and in life. So I, I, and there's so much information out there. These companies invest so much with the individuals that they recruit, uh, they vet, and then they, uh, come over and train. Mm -hmm. So they are not, you know, what would bother me sometimes is you'd have some of the, you know, men that would sit there and say, they, they had this, you know, I've been cheat. I've been tricked. They didn't tell us this. They didn't tell us that. And absolutely, they do. You know, the last thing these companies want is for you to get over there and have a misconception or a miscommunication over exactly how much you're going to get paid. Right. 
get over there and there's a surprise in terms of compensation or uh, living arrangements, you did not do either. You didn't read the, um, the, the materials that they gave you or you didn't ask the questions. Right. And they give you opportunities to have questions. They have conference calls. So, I mean, really, if it, it can seem kind of scary and intimidating, um, but these companies will provide you every little thing that right. you need to know. Now, getting over there is going to be very different. You know, coming from Florida, I was, and I love the heat, I was way overconfident <laughs> about that heat, that Kuwaiti heat. You know, and, and I, I didn't, I underestimated um, how much I would greatly dislike sharing porta potties with men. <laughs> that was a surprise and a daily challenge. But really, other than just those little things that if you, you know, we're all prior, you know, we're kind of a tough group anyway, you can kind of roll with it or you just remember, you know, your goals, but there should be no surprises. You know, right. these guys sit there and say, well, I thought we'd be making, I thought we'd be making, you know, and they would throw out a figure that might be four times what we were offered. Wow. Why would you think that? Wow. Why would you think that? Right. You know, in, in the email that so-and-so sent, they tell you, to the cent right. what in terms of compensation every two weeks per diem, um, you know, paid vacation, bonuses, all that. So, so I, I would, you know, just kind of like, okay, and kind of roll my eyes and not engage these. Right. I would sit there and go, oh, we've been tricked. We've been duped. Like, look, we haven't been trafficked over here. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think what happened is, is that it's a case where, a, they did. They didn't read, like you said. They didn't read everything, right? And or they read too much into it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and so that. But you know, and, and another interesting thing when you talked about working for Acom, and I hope that works out for you. Mm -hmm. um, what to say? Uh, you talked earlier about uh, this uh, KBOS, uh, and you know the various iterations that whole thing's gone through over the years. Uh, being, uh, but we we liken it to a starter contract, if you will. So right. those that are talking about, well, I thought I'd make more money. I thought I was going to be doing this and that, you know. And how do I get my clients one thing another? But these are what we call starter contracts. And and if you're squared away, oh, and, yeah. and and you just do do your thing, do what you're supposed to do. Per, chances are, when the time is right, you'll have been noticed, and you'll get that opportunity. Oh yeah, they are very eager to, I mean, it's an entry level position, KBOSS is. So even though I, I sounded like James Bond to a lot of people uh, stateside who just saw, oh, Middle East, private security, oh my gosh, you know. Um, yeah, anybody who knows anything knows that it is an entry level position. Um, and, but it is what you make of it, just with everything in life. So, right. you know, so get your clearance and then get over to Iraq. Or right. get your clearance and whatever it might be. Um, you know, on you, if you do the minimum and you show up in uniform and you aren't um, contrary to to you know supervision, um, you're you're semi pleasant to work with, and you show up to work, you will be a superstar. You will get noticed, and there are so many opportunities to right. promote. 
there's always opportunities, even if, if it weren't with Triple Canopy. You know, I mean, I, I like to work in the ECPs and I, I like to smile and wave to everyone. And, and there were a lot of people that would, from other contractors, say, you know, hey, um, do you know, do you, uh, do you know office, office administrative duties? It's like, yes, and I have a degree. Give me your card. <laughs> <laughs> Network, you know, or people say, hey, when you get your clearance, we'll sponsor your IT certs. We wow. need females, we need people with certs, and you're smiling, um, you know, every day, even when it's hot, whether it's cold, whether it's raining. I mean, just the opportunities there if you just do the minimum. Right. I mean, that's it. You don't even have to be a superstar. <clears throat> Just do the minimum. And then what I would tell uh, the, the women that would come on uh, shift, you know, the, the good and bad news is um, there's not a lot of us and we get a lot of attention, good or bad, um, obnoxious or, or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, none of us were complaining when the guys would give us Gatorades on hot days as they'd come through the ECPs. You know, none of the other guys would get the cold Gatorades, but the contractors would give us girls the Gatorades. So, uh -huh. complaining about that. Right. Some of them were just corny. I don't know how else to say it, but I would tell the ladies, hey, if you plan on staying a little bit, you know, the, the, the good and bad news is we have a magnifying glass on us. Right. So negatively if you just have if you just have a slightly bad day and might just be somewhat um short with somebody even a coworker, then you might be labeled as oh she's got an attitude she's a b word uh right. this that right. but on the other hand you know we do have a magnifying glass under us so if you just like i said do that minimum right if you're surrounded by people who are going above and beyond and this is just the way it is. And, and people might say this is sexist or maybe I shouldn't say this, but we, you know, women would, you know, um, uh, show more. <laughs> it would be, you know, we would get more attention if we were doing the minimum right. than um, maybe some of the guys that were going above and beyond, you know, and people are quick to, um, you know, maybe it's because we're standing on the shoulders of women who have paved the way and I'm appreciative of that, um, you know, but they are um, quick to promote. Uh, are wanting to promote and put females in supervision and leadership. So it's like, girl, just show up, make sure your hair's back, your uniforms, not totally wrinkled, you know, make sure your flashlight has a battery and, and get it. Right. You know? I mean, it, it was, there's just so many opportunities out there. Right. It's what you make it. You know? Right. Exactly. Uh, uh, it's, uh, and it, and it really is that what you make it and it goes back to the mindset, the attitude and staying focused or staying on point, you know, however you want to term it. Um, so let me ask you, um, at the, so now you, uh, oh, sorry, I just thought of something, Scott. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Also though, too. So my time with K boss ended, uh -huh. I, I had family member that, uh, I wanted to get home to that, that needed, um, you know, more long-term care. I just, it was a family matter that I, I went home to deal with, um, or I would have stayed. Now with Triple Canopy, you know, I, I did give my resignation. Um, I left in good standing. Um, and so when I, when I did want to um, explore going back over there, I contacted uh, the recruiter with Triple Canopy. You know, I, this is Christine. 
Um, I have my clearance, I'm available to deploy, I have my passport. And with Triple Canopy, they said, hey, we, we checked the list, you're eligible for Israel now that you have uh, your clearance. Huh. You're eligible, you can also go back to KBOS if you want. You know, so that's the other thing, even, you know, I feel comfortable and confident that, you know, as long as you just don't burn a bridge, um, you know, keeping that, that door open, you know, I mean, I, I can reach out um, and just say, hey, um, you know, I'm in Virginia. I, I want to deploy again. And, and there are opportunities. They'll look back. Right. And it, it just, it's, I just can't say enough good about it. I mean, I just, I, I love my time with it. It was everything. Um, there's so much conjecture and rumors and, and false information from people who, who don't know. Right. Or who... Uh, maybe their attitude was, you know, different, but I just, I just can't emphasize enough. Like if it's something that someone's interested in, go for it because right. <laughs> they need good help. They're always hiring, you know, yep. you know, and, and that's excellent point because, uh, you know, it, regardless of the level or status you reach, um, it's, uh, you know, we talk about everything from staying humble, remembering where you came from, and, but constantly uh, just marching on and those opportunities do come on. You, so they make a huge investment in you when they hire you. Uh, people don't realize how much it costs to get you over there. Okay. Right. And then to maintain that. So there's a certain minimum time that they want you to stick around. So if you fulfill your contract obligation yeah. and you left in good standing and you yeah. didn't piss and moan when you left, Chances yeah. are, like you just said, if there's an opening and you want to go back and, and you still got everything you need, your passport, your clearance and everything else, chances are real good. You're probably going to get on. Oh, yeah. And they'll expedite it, too. You know, yeah. I mean, they'll say, hey, she wasn't an issue. Or And some of these contracts um, also will allow you to have children and family members with you. Right. I mean, we, we had a uh, husband-wife team uh, that came in um, with my training group. Uh, they had a toddler and um, they, I mean, they were there. They had a, you know, they actually left because she was expecting another baby um, mm -hmm. and they wanted to have it home closer to her family. Uh, we've had mothers who maybe unfortunately don't have um, the, uh, the other partner in the, their children's lives. So they're able to then bring their children or bring their child with them over right. there. You know, so it's, it really is just, it, it's super. <laughs> right. A lot of, a lot has changed and it, it is. It, and I'm glad to hear that, you know, um, and, and, and again, a lot of it is based on the person's perspective and their experiences. And some people just have a bad attitude throughout life. It doesn't matter. You right. know, so, but. they're always gonna. And, and what I found was, you know, really, they want you to finish that first contract. So yep. the first contract is everything. And unfortunately, a lot of people, maybe even most don't finish that first contract right for whatever reason it might be i didn't realize how much i'd miss my wife or my husband or you know i just got hot and i just couldn't stand martin's mouth anymore and i had to leave um you know really though once because i left after the uh i mean before the completion of my second contract However, that didn't negatively affect my future uh, employment opportunities with Triple Canopy because I did uh, satisfactorily complete my first year. Right. Really, a lot of these, uh, and 
I'll, I'll speak specific to KBOSS. I don't know with other companies and contracts, but at least with the KBOSS one that shoot, you know, if you leave within that first year, um, a lot of times you're ineligible for right. rehire unless you have a family emergency, uh, an, act, an actual extreme, and they will work with you. Or you'd have guys that would sit there and say, you know, hey, I've got to get home or, you know, I'm having an emergency or I've lost a loved one. And a lot of times they'd even say, hey, we'll give you, we'll give you three weeks of, of uh, you know, grieve, um, what's the word? Um, um, like grievance pay where you can go right. home. I mean, they would even provide more, more paid leave or even a leave of absence wow. and say, we will keep your position. And unfortunately, a lot of times people would say, I, I can't, I can't, I just lost my mother or father. I, I can't then, you know, consider coming back in a month. And even if it was something extreme, they'd say, okay, well, you lose your mom and you go home, you're eligible for rehire. They aren't going to hold that against you because huh. Such an extreme situation, right. but if you just quit because ugh, you know y'all tricked me, or you know I could make more money working at the car, my dad's car dealership, or whatever it might be, then then that's it. You right. will not be eligible for rehire. Right. Now, if you complete your first year, and maybe 370 days after you get there, you leave, then you're fine. Hey, I hope to you know reapply, come <laughs> see <you> again. <laughs> and even in my two years there. There were people that would that came, left, and then came back. Huh. You know, I mean, and some guys would say, "Hey, I wanted a car, so I decided I, I just figure I'd, I'd I'd work, you know, get a year, put some money in, uh, right. buy buy that truck cash, do a little travel, and then I'll you know go home." <laughs> right. Well, and sometimes you just need three or four months, you know, just extended stay. Oh um, yeah. You know, to, to just kind of before you go back, and then you realize, yeah, you do really want to go back. Um, but, uh, and I hate to put the brakes on this, Christine, because I'm having a ton of fun. This is a great conversation. Uh, and before I forget, hopefully you'll be willing to come back and do this again at some point in the future. Absolutely. I okay. really enjoyed <laughs> our time. And it's obviously something that I just, I, I feel, um, you know, I have the relevant experience and not a lot of people, you know, come back with such an extremely positive experience. So, you right. know, it's one where... Hey, if you think you qualify, go for it. So. Oh, absolutely. Uh, That's so more. If I can, then. Uh, so you're 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 the job you're at now. So you're 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 looking to get back into contracting. But in this meantime, how has your life changed positively or negatively? Negatively, what's different? What are you doing these days? And what are your plans for the future? All right. Yeah. Right now, even though as, as much as I love contracting, I, I'm, I'm a little afraid my contracting days may be over. Um, you know, I, since I've gotten back uh, from contracting at the end of 18, I uh, went home to Florida um, and I did care for uh, my family member um, who unfortunately passed in October of 19. Hmm. Um, so after after she passed i you know was open again to uh you know contracting and like i said the coronavirus just put all of that on hold with any kind of overseas movement so uh, i have a dear friend of mine i grew up with in florida our families are close he is an entrepreneur and business owner in richmond uh virginia so he uh you know he's known me almost 30 years and 
needed needed uh, good help. So now I'm a general manager at uh, it's more of kind of a nightclub bar location in Southside Richmond. Um, and then uh, he continues uh, him and his partner uh, continue to open you know other businesses, and I, I assist in any way I can. So so that's been it's been really nice. I feel like I'm getting kind of an MBA uh, you know from my friend here. Um, so, so I plan on being here in Richmond, at least for the next several years. Hopefully this will translate to a little more financial freedom. Um, I can then move into, uh, being, you know, businesswoman, entrepreneur, and that can translate into financial success and getting home to Florida. <laughs> Richmond's <laughs> lovely. I've been here since July. It's now, you know, uh, at the end of October. Um, but I miss, I miss the beaches. I miss Florida. So, <laughs> you know, my five year plan is to, um, you know, partner up with these guys, continue working with them, translate that into maybe some work in Florida hmm. and get home close wow. to my mom, dad, brother, his kids and beautiful wife. So it's been a great That's trip, huh? So, uh, do you have a, a pearl of wisdom, a takeaway or something or some thoughts that you'd like to leave folks with? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> maybe I, mean, I, I think, I think you do. But, you know, I mean, there's, you know, really so much, if we're talking specific to the contracting, you know, really it is in the attitude. So I went over there and I just decided this was what's good for me. This will help me achieve my financial, you know, goals that will then translate into long-term financial success and mindset. You know, so just going over with the right attitude and, and, and that includes educating yourself onto everything that you can learn, everything that you need to know about the contract. I was so excited when I got offered a contract at Guantanamo Bay. It hmm. was uh, not at the actual facility, but it was on the base. Um, and then with the information, I decided that it wasn't um, a good fit for me in terms of um, compensation. So, you know, my thing is just go in with the attitude of success. Um, you will have all the information that you need. They will provide everything down to the cent that you are, uh, you know, in terms of compensation and benefits. Um, so if you go in with a positive mindset and decide this is something that's going to translate into success in terms of financial or, or professional or personal, whatever it might be, then, then you're just going to have it's going to be life changing in a positive way. Um, right. So just keep that positive mindset, uh, block out the negative, the static, you know, cause it's, those are the most, some of these guys and gals are some of the most, you know, just pessimistic negative people I've ever met in my life, you know, but if you can just block that out and remain focused, you know, that I'm here for this and that just, just go over with the right attitude, educate yourself. And it is, it is yours to just better your life and your position in life. Excellent. So. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 the, and you hit it, you said, you stated it beautifully, yeah. it, you know, mindset, set your goals, achieve them and yeah. good things come. So yeah. uh, it could translate, you know, I mean, there's domestic contracts that will fly you out and you only have to do 45 days. Right. I mean, in Pittsburgh, Denver, Colorado, this, uh, uh, in the past eight or past year. And, and it's, it's pretty competitive pay. I mean, just if, if this is a field or venture that you think that you can, 
you know, thrive in, you can, you can make good money. You can, you can promote and you can make this a career or meet your goals, get out, you know, right. you can enjoy the house being paid off. Right. Out of financial debt. Right. You know, <laughs> blowing it on, on, on fun in Thailand, whatever it might be. You know? Or Israel, if you ever get there. Oh, right. Yeah. Or, or get that, you know, King Ranch, Rancher, whatever you always wanted. I mean, some guys just were over there saying, I just want to buy the truck of my dreams. Right. I'm yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know. That's awesome. Um, Christine, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Um, and, and hope, and, and if you can, if you got the time, stick around for a few minutes when we're done here. Absolutely. Um, so for everybody that's listening, I thank you very much for tuning in. I appreciate your, your loyal listenership. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Uh, remember to be careful what you wish for out there, folks. Uh, stay frosty. And until next time, keep it real. <laughs>